Luton Town left it late, but we brought a point home from Turf Moor uh, in, well, I suppose some would say controversial fashion. I'll find out from the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and trust member, trust board member Helen Gatwood, their thoughts on Luton's equalising goal as we dissect Burnley 1, Luton Town 1. Are we ready to do this? Let's get stuck in. Let's go. Here's the intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust. I'm Kev and as I said before the intro, I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and Trust Board member Helen Gatwood and we're going to go through Burnley 1, Luton 1. Helen, I'll start with you. Happy enough with that result? Yeah, I mean you're not going to turn down a point are you? Um, You know, as controversial as they may say it was, I don't think it was but you know, happy with that point we Probably should have taken all three. Don't give the game away just yet. We will come on to this supposedly controversial moment uh, in a little while. And James, we said it was must win for Burnley, not must win for Luton. So um, not an ideal result, but a perfectly acceptable one. Yeah, I mean, you would have been happy with the point um, going into it. I said that in the last podcast, but uh, in the manner it came about, I was absolutely thrilled by it. So psychologically, the way that that happened would be a huge boost for Luton and probably a massive blow to Burnley. Yeah, in reverse fixture, we all felt like we had a punch to the guts with their win of sort of 90 seconds after we equalised. So it's kind of nice to give them a punch in the guts back, really, with a late goal. And and the fact that they do think it was controversial just makes it all the funnier, really. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) You know, it's maybe a bit harsh to, to laugh, but... And we'd probably feel exactly the same if it had been the other way round, but... But it wasn't, so let's laugh. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Normally we'd start right at the beginning, but that would be stupid to do that for this one because it was such a supposedly controversial incident, James, but (laughs) I've seen it millions. I saw it live, obviously. Okay, it was at the other end to where the Luton fans were, so we didn't get the clearest view of it. But what I thought I saw on the night is what I actually saw now. I've seen it on television. Trafford, who, I don't know. I mean, he used to play for Bolton, didn't he? He must have thought that ball was in Bolton. He was so far away from it when he come for that cross. And he just gets nowhere near it, right? He runs into the back of Elijah, who's allowed to stand his ground. He doesn't foul him. He stands his ground. He's like, there's nothing that says, well, the goalie's coming. Get out of the way. Don't have to do that. And then, you know, Carlton's there to head it in. But there's just no foul there, is there? No. Uh, and uh, the, 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 the amount of airtime and column inches that have gone into it trying to explain it to people that aren't having it is quite funny to me because and and you get people go well you wouldn't you wouldn't be saying this if the shoe was on the other foot and I said to somebody today on Twitter no but I would I wouldn't like it but you can't deny the evidence of your own eyes and I think that's probably what a lot of people are are doing but the the only reason there's a debate about this is because goalkeepers have been given too much protection for, for too many years and we've all been conditioned and indoctrinated in this belief that 
if you touch a goalie, it should be a foul. And that's just not in the laws. There's no law in the in the book that says you can't have any contact uh, or you or the goalkeeper has extra protection. We've just, for some reason, gone along with this. I don't even think we've all gone along with it, really, because if it does happen in any other game, and it has done throughout our football-watching career, we'll get the ump with it because it's in this particular scenario and it's snatched two points away from Burnley. There's some sort of controversy and controversy and, and, and I just don't there just isn't. There's no controversy whatsoever. It's not a foul. No, it really isn't. I mean, if I'm anything to do with Burnley, I'm not, I'm having a look at the goalkeeper here because he shouldn't come for the cross anyway, because he's nowhere the, the cross is nowhere near his goal. It's not even in his six yard box. He has to come beyond his six yard box to get the ball. Realistically, if he doesn't come for that, he stays on his line and Morris heads it at goal. It's going to have to be a hell of a header to go in. So the goalkeeper's made a cock-up in coming for the cross in the first place. He then knows he's made a cock-up because he's absolutely nowhere near this ball. I mean, he goes and collides with Elijah, but Morris scores two yards further on. So he's not within two yards of the ball anyway. I mean, unless this bloke's Inspector Gadget, he, he is not getting the ball, is he? I, I had somebody claim that he probably could have leapt that. He said somebody said he was quite elastic. He might have got to that, but elastic. He'd have had to have come out of bloody cannonball mm-hmm. to get anywhere near that. I mean, he's nowhere near it, and it's just it's almost sour like grapes. He... I suppose it is sour grapes. I think mm. I think the problem Burnley have got with it is because it was against us. You know, if Man City had scored that goal and it wasn't as important because they thought they were getting one point behind us and everything else, maybe they wouldn't have moaned. But I'm sorry, Burnley, you just got to look at your goalkeeper. He had made a cock up. And I'll go back to when we had this situation with Stuart Moore in the playoff semi-final. We weren't bleating and arguing and everything. Everyone said right there and then, what the f*** are you doing coming off of your line for that? You know, that's what... Didn't have VAR, mind you. (laughs) Didn't have VAR, but you know critical error from the goalkeeper and fair play to Carlton Morris because actually he'd have seen that happening wouldn't he in the corner mm. of his eye and it's so easy to like take your eye off the ball and miss even though it was an open goal but he didn't he was focused put the ball in the back of the net and he wheeled away quite it confidently didn't goal. he it was yeah. a good goal <laughs> he wheeled away quite confidently and then then we had another then we had the four minute VAR incident and you're like they're gonna disallow it even though I was pretty confident there that Trafford had made a mess of it. You just thought the way the night was going, we kind of dominated the game, couldn't put the ball in the net, that they were going to deny, VAR were going to deny us at the end. But fair play to them. They didn't. They got it right for once and uh, we get a great point. Yeah. You know, 90 plus two minutes. They're the goals. Some, some might also say if the uh, keeper hadn't kept going down on the ball when unnecessary maybe there wouldn't have been that much time added on some might say that not no of course we would say that absolutely we would i would i think that needs to be looked at because if the directive at the beginning of the season was about time wasting that is as bad as kicking the ball away that's a yellow card offense for me the fact that he keeps doing it if you've caught the ball and you go down straight away you can make you can style that out a bit but the ones that he did were so blatant he got the ball had a look around, had a cigar, a cup of tea, fell over. Fell over. Ridiculous. 
in his defence, he's clearly not used to catching the ball. <laughs> so he has to go through that initial period of shock. And, <laughs> and then he falls to the floor. No, you're absolutely right. I'm not having it. Someone actually, I saw it on social media. Someone said, oh, well, it's no different to going in the corner. Of course it's different to going in the corner. You can actually go and get the ball off someone who's in the bloody corner. What are you supposed to do? Boot it out of the keeper's hands? Well, that's going to be a free kick as soon as you do it. So it's clearly different to that. And you're absolutely right. I don't pay 30 quid to see grown idiots flop on the floor every what every every five minutes and the best thing of it was Kaminsky. yes i'd have paid 30 quid for that I, because I, that was fantastic he can have my 30 quid no problem kaminsky only had one chance to do it and he did not miss out straight i mean he was getting dogs abuse all night understandably so from where he used to play i get that if we had a watford goalkeeper in front of us we'd be doing exactly the same don't know how Amari Bell escaped all of the um, booing and all the criticism though because he was at blackburn even longer than what uh, kaminsky was but for him to go down and do the exact same thing and then shush the Burnley mm. fans afterwards. I Brilliant. mean, he's been understated, hasn't he, Kaminsky? But to do that, I mean, you're one of us. You're definitely one of us, TK. <laughs> definitely, yeah. And and credit to whoever it is at the football club that made the TikTok. Yeah. Absolutely that, brilliant. Luke, that's, yeah, that is different class, that. I'm not on TikTok. What's happened? Oh my god! He's so he's gone and they've like cut up all the clips of um, Trafford doing his flopping swan leg to the floor, and then they've like put some different music over it when it comes to the goal, and then they've like, oops, I did it again. Oops, I did it again, and <laughs> and then they've like done Kaminsky and gone right in close on Kaminsky doing it, and it's like the most blatant piss take you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> fair play. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, to be fair. He got lucky in the first half, Trafford, because he came out for a corner then that if Eli brushed him, he didn't do an awful lot more, but he shouldn't have come for that one either. And uh, the referee did give a foul then, when I didn't think that was much of a foul either. And he flapped at an Alfie Doughty cross that came straight over his head. He is clearly not good under a high ball. So they need to buy some glue on his boots and keep him on his goal line or something because... Well, yeah. I mean, if he stayed on his line, there's no goal at all. And we're not talking about this. But the other thing is, people will bleat on about consistency for, say, a referee's decisions. Oh, there's no consistency. We don't have any of this. But then we're under we're under the rule of this imaginary law, this, this goalkeeper protection racket, that if you touch a goalkeeper... That's a foul. Well, it's not. Contact's allowed. They even went over this in match of the day. They brought up the rules. So you can go back and have a look if you're not pretty au fait with it. But um, you can't you can't live in this world where a defender can shield the ball out of play at the byline by virtually obstructing a player, and that's fine. And then the goalkeeper gets touched, and that's a foul. That's not like you can't have both. You can't have it both ways. The goalkeeper can be touched. That. That is a thing. When, I'm not talking 1958 Cup final when Nat Lofthouse bars uh, Harry Gregg over the line and that was a goal. We're not talking that, but to say that they, it's a foul when they get touched is ridiculous. I mean, they, it was even being talked about uh, by, by the TV pundits at the time because Robbie Savage was doing co-commentary and he was going, well, it's not a foul, but it's usually given as a foul. It's, it's nonsense. It shouldn't be given as a foul at all because it isn't. He just stood his ground. If I'm going to give Burnley anything here, it's that um, maybe he stuck his ass out a little bit. <laughs> but, and, and I've sort of done my own little analysis of this on Twitter, you can stop that clip a split second before the contact happens 
And James Trafford's knees are in no position to suggest that he's going to be leaping up to get that ball. And he knows it. And he knows it so much that he feels the contact, throws himself to the ground and expects, because he's had a lifetime of this, expects that he'll just get the decision. And they're up in arms about it because for once, the referee got it right. And then when VAR looked at it again and again and again and again, they saw no clear and obvious error to change the referee's on-pitch decision. And that's 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 the that's the basics of it really. I mean you, you there's so much like double standards in this whole scenario. Um and it, the, the the only shocking thing is that they got it right for once. Well yeah, and thank God that they did because it was the least that we deserved because I thought it was Luton's best it's certainly Luton's best away performance. I mean that's without any question, but well, also, before you move on as well, if you're talking double standards, if the goalie's doing that and he, hit, he feels the contact with Elijah and he falls down, then the only thing that should be happening there is a dive, is a booking for simulation because he's tried to buy a, a, a foul when there isn't one, but that didn't happen. So, you know, you could say they've got it sort of 99% right then really in that sense because they haven't booked him and he's got away with that. But there's so much nonsense being talked about this whole scenario it's just not a foul and that the, de- the debate should be ended there, but clearly it isn't. Yep. Ultimately, your cocky little bastard goalkeeper, he came for a cross that he was never getting at, came right down the wrong line. He came down the Piccadilly line. The ball was on the Jubilee line. <laughs> and thankfully, Morris was there to uh, head it home. And uh, yeah, well-deserved point because Luton were brilliant on the night with it right up to the final third. I mean, Ross Barkley again, H, is... He's just he's just incredible to watch. Every time he gets, I mean, he was pinging that fifty yard diag out to Chiawog Benny like he was playing a five yard pass with his eyes shut. It was ridiculous <laughs> how many times he done it. And the poor old left back, he went down injured towards the end of the first half. He wasn't injured; they were just untying his legs from the amount of times that that <laughs> ball had tied him up in knots. It was just even I started feeling sorry for him. But Ross Barkley, I mean, dear me, he is good. He's yeah, he has been immense. Every game you think, oh, we can't get any better than the last one. And he does, like, his level of skill is just unbelievable. Some of the, the you know, the way he passes the ball, he manages to, you know, jump around defenders and, you know, still keep the ball at his feet. You kind of sit there mesmerised by it because it's like, how does he do that? <laughs> it's, yeah, he's... Brilliant. He is some player. I mean, as I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, I go to games with my sister and we kind of pick our man of the match after the game sort of between us. And she's at, she's looking at other players now because she said she can't pick Ross Barkley every game. Well, actually, Sarah, you can pick Ross Barkley every game for the simple reason <laughs> that it is Ross Barkley it's every he game. Is man of the match. <laughs> he, he is he is so good. I mean, those 50 yard passes, whoever it and they were all to him. In his stride, didn't mm. have to cut back or anything. He had that left back on Toast Chio. Just the end bit. That was all it was lacking, wasn't it? Just fight. And to be fair to Chio, he's got one man to aim at in the box. He only had Elijah. So it's hard to pick him out. But if we could have just had that end product on some of those Barkley passes, we are starting to really purr. Yeah, I mean, the Premier League released a little graphic of him after the game. He was first for everything and maybe second for one other thing in terms of passes, chances created, possession, everything. You mean he can still improve on something? (laughs) Yeah, he was, 
Yeah, he was, he was top draw. I mean, he's, but he is all the time, really. I mean, the, the one game he's probably been a bit below par was maybe the Bolton FA Cup game. But even then, he was probably one of the best players on the pitch. It was just a horrible game. Um, yeah, he's what a, what a buy. I and mean, you're talking in the transfer window and people saying splash some cash. To have got him for free, to have got him with nobody knowing about it, is <laughs> unbelievable business. And he he looks like he loves it here. And most importantly, as Rob Edwards kind of alluded to, you don't have to worry about uh, signing him down to a long term, a long term contract, Mister Skyman. Yeah. Um, he's already, we've already done our business with yeah. regards to Ross Barkley. Have no worries about that. Um, to be fair to Trafford, he did pull off a good save from Barkley in that first half, didn't he? Because from the angle that we was at, I thought it was in, and then all of a sudden he's he saved it. I don't know; I couldn't really tell if it was a save for the cameras as such, but either way, it was going in the top corner and he kept it out. Yeah, it was a good save. Give him credit for that. Um, and I'm surprised Ross Barkley hasn't scored more with some of the shots that he has actually had. Yeah, I mean, you think back to that Newcastle one, the crossbar's oh. still shaking, isn't it? I mean, he's he gave that a right old thump, but it's not just Ross Barkley, though. Uh, Jordan Clark was his first Premier League start, and we're all great, great and really happy uh, that he's back and that he's starting in the Premier League because we wouldn't be here without his goal at Wembley, that's for sure. When you saw the team sheet, James, you were like, ooh. Where's Jordan Clark going to line up in this? Is it Chio on the left, Clark at right wing back? We've seen him play that position before under Nathan Jones. And then when the team actually lined up on the pitch, Clark's kind of in that inside left Jacob Brown role. Obviously, Jacob Brown was suspended. That came to light in the lead up to the game because none of us remembered that he played for Stoke because well, <laughs> yeah, no one remembers. I'm sure he, he doesn't remember either. <laughs> no one remembers if he played for Stoke. That's absolutely sure. Um, but it's like he'd played all season. Look. You know, first game, first starting game in what, six, seven or oh, eight months, really proper games, not including that one in Germany. It looked like he hadn't been away. Well, Jordan Clark is just a sublime footballer, isn't he? That's that's it. He's played in so many positions, excelled. Um, I think, and Nathan Jones got this right, is that centre midfield was always going to be his position. Um, and that necessarily, wasn't necessarily it, but he's got wing play to fall back on as well. That's what he was at Accrington. He can do it all. Um, and he just looks like he's going to make things happen when he's on the pitch and he's on the ball. Um, he had a fantastic first half, uh, that's for sure. And to come in and that for that to be his first Premier League start, um, it, it just sort of shows, he's not up to speed. It just sort of shows you what he can do and what he can be. At every level that he's played football, he's got better. And ever since he's got Luton, he's just gone stratospherically good. And he feeds off the quality of other good players as well. So if he's playing alongside the likes of Barkley and Sambi Lukonga, then of course he's going to get better. And he just needed his shot. I felt he deserved it after Barton. I was surprised that he got it because I thought they'd revert back to the pretty much the the team that 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 played the last game against Chelsea in the Premier League. Um, but I think yeah, he took his chance. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, indeed. The best free transfer of all time played alongside the next best free transfer <laughs> of all time in that game. Uh, and it was great to see. Yeah, it's great that, I mean, Clicker, we kind of bond with Clicker, don't we? Because we had him for the two seasons, three seasons in the championship, however long it was. But also he's just such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys that you just can't help but love. Like he's, you know, great personality. He's great on the pitch, great off the pitch. And I was really pleased to to see him slot in there like he'd been playing every game this season. 
Like you wouldn't have known that was his first start in the Premier League and first start since the playoff final. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, really was. And of course, yeah, he's been in the away end during his injury as well and uh, lapping up the atmosphere and everything. So yeah, I was absolutely delighted. Not just that he got his start, but that he proved that he can play in the Premier League. We, well, we all knew he could do, but... Well, I think he, I mean, he, he, he excelled pretty much against Chelsea in the FA Cup game. He played really well. So, I mean, you've got to do it over a sustained period of time, but he showed you he could do it. I mean... I was thinking, you know, is, is there ever been a sort of player like him? And I don't think you're in the same position or they've got the same qualities, but maybe uh, Leon Britton, who went through the leagues with Swansea and then just proved himself to be a top operator at Premier League level. He's got the potential to do that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's a um, selection headache when Brighton come to town in that left sort of wingy role. Um, that is for sure. Um, when Gabe Osho got on the team coach, James, he obviously changed, but out came Lyle Taylor out of his pockets because we mentioned, uh, sorry, Lyle Foster, Lyle Taylor's way back in down the league. <laughs> Lyle Foster came out of his pockets. We mentioned in the preview that we had to keep him quiet. I mean, Gabe kept him quiet and some really, he wasn't really involved in the game at all. Yeah. I mean, there's a case to say he wasn't really involved that much at Kennel Throw, but he got the goal when sort of Burnley were, were on top to be fair. So, um, you know, he has looked good in all the, games that he's had previously and he's scored a hell of a lot of goals for the amount of games he's played which aren't many because he had his troubles but yeah very very quiet I mean the whole lot of them were I mean you've got you've really got to hand it to Luton the last two games they've they've now we're talking about evolution all the time and we're seeing it right before our eyes because against Chelsea and now against Burnley they've had 60% plus possession Um, against both of those sides that's remarkable because the amount of hundreds of millions of pounds that Chelsea has spent to have the most amount of possession. It's incredible. Obviously, they were more clinical. We we recognised that and they won the game. But Luton could have got something out of it. But Burnley spent all last season hogging the ball and they did it very well and they played lovely football. But to go to their place and be a team that's traditionally not known for be playing with the ball and take most of it off them and make them look inferior, particularly in the first half. It's some feat. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, That's the thing that we've got to learn. I mean, I'll come on to this actually fully in a minute, but we have got to learn over the course of the season now, because I think it might happen um, a little bit more. Uh, The other person that we need to give a real shout out to, H, we kind of done it at the start, but we need to do a proper one is Thomas Kaminsky. Very, very early in the game, he made a great save Mm -hmm. that kept it at nil-nil and he made a couple more in the second half. I don't know if that deflected shot was going in, but he managed to get round and push it around the post just in case it was going in. That was another good save. His distribution was pants. There's no getting away from that. I mean, whoever gave him the club to send it to Alfie Doughty, he needed to bring it down a a club or three because he kept on clearing him, no problem. But that aside, some of the shot stopping that he did and then obviously that shithousery at the end, just we keep on saying that Ross Barkley's going to keep us up. But actually the points that Kaminsky's earned us with the saves, when we look back on this season, if we do stay up, he's going to have played a massive role in it. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, you look back at some of our games and some of those saves he's made, they have been crucial and probably kept the scorelines reasonable. You know, we might have lost the game, but some of the saves that he's made during a game have kept it respectable. Um, And again, like Ross Barkley, I feel like every game he gets better 
and better and pulls off another sublime save every single game that you just kind of like, wow. Mm. You know, he's he's a great keeper. He does it he does it all as well though, doesn't he? He's um short range shots, long range shots, crosses, commands it commands the aerial easy thing. as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not a one trick pony. Yeah, he's a very good player. An eighth of the cost of James Trafford. Just imagine that. If they'd spent an eighth of the money on him, they'd have won the game on um, Friday <laughs> night, wouldn't they, Burnley? But it, I mean, it just shows constantly how money doesn't equal good players. I mean, listen, he's not had the impact that we would have thought he would, but Luton's record signing is Ryan Giles and he's barely got a sniff. But all these free players that have come in have really taken to it. And he's one of them. Um, well, no, he's not one of them, but... Um, yeah, it's just remarkable the amount of money that's shelled out on players that don't perform and yet Luton have this recruitment team that can spend, to be fair to Luton, a hefty whack of nearly £20 million in the summer and come out with 12 to 13 players that are pretty much all doing the business. Yeah, I mean, that's the recruitment team, isn't it? I mean, all this fucking flip-flapping on social media about our transfer window and this, that and the other. I mean, if you've not learned in the 10 years that this lot have been doing it, that they'll always come out better than what they went into it over the at the end of the month, you'll never learn it. I mean, why you don't just leave them be and let them do their work? They're best in the business at doing it. They've proven it time after time after time. Come the 31st of January, Luton Town will be in a much better position squad-wise than what we are here on the 14th of January. That's just a given. He's just can take it for granted these days it's just how it is and um some of these players that we've spoken about are perfect examples of that i want to speak about one person who has been here for a long time because it was great to see him come off the bench as well h and that's luke berry didn't really have a huge impact but he's that kind of person that he doesn't actually have to have a, an impact in terms of having the ball at his feet to have an impact in the game and I, and I think he was close enough in the box when that ball came over for the goal that it kind of had the defender's interests and that's why they were worried that Elijah was going to get the ball, which is why the goalkeeper tried to come out for the cross. So just by being in the box, he's actually impacted the game. And obviously he's come right through the leagues with us. Great to see him back on a Premier League pitch as well. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, he's been with us a good few years now. You know, probably always a fan's favourite. He has been known to come off the bench and score goals. So, you know, it's always worth, it's always worth popping Berry on. Um, like you say, if he did enough in that box to to distract them and put them under pressure, it worked. It really did, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Just down the road, uh, was it last season or the season before, he came off the bench against Blackburn, didn't he, and scored two late goals. Mm, and yeah. it's a vital point when arse over tit over the microphone behind the goal <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in his celebrations and things. Thankfully, that didn't get repeated. Um at Burnley but yeah just I mean it's it's always good to see Bez anyway and he's just one of those players that you like watching but he just has that habit of knowing where to be and even if like I just said even if he's not affecting the game with the ball at his feet he has some sort of impact on it every time he comes on it does his goal scoring record is quite phenomenal for where he plays and I mean he must yeah. almost have more goals than minutes mustn't he <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean like that no, if, if 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 you need a goal, he's he's a great player to chuck on. But I think he's also because he's come through the leagues. There's such an affinity with those players that have come through that it's. I mean, there is still now with some of the players that have come in this season, and they're showing Barkley and the like. They're not Billy Big Bollocks players, uh, and they're really taken to the task of what the club is about and everything. But you can't beat those squad of players that have done the business all throughout the leagues and and 
got got Luton to where they are, and he's one of those that you know he's it, it, it's almost like he's a bit a forgotten man at the moment, but not to not to most fans. I think he's a cult favourite. I'd say. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, to have gone through his injury as well uh, back in League Two and, you know, be here he is in the Premier League. I mean, I've seen people say that uh, when we do make moves in January, he's one that needs to go out. Well, I'm not so sure. I just think he brings so much to us uh, off the field as much as he does on the field. And actually, I don't think what players bring off the field is given enough credit in all of our recruitment. And uh, I mean, I see people criticising Corley Woodrow, but I know for a fact that his work on the training pitch, he gives everything every single day. And even if he's not doing it on the pitch, the players that are doing it on the pitch are better for Corley Woodrow's training and raising the standards around that training ground. And um, yeah, of course we want people that are going to impact the game, but ultimately you can only pick 11 with nine on the bench. There's still going to be five who ain't getting on the bench. And if Corley Woodrow's one of them, but he's improving the standards at training, then so be it. It's technical quality as well. I mean, you only have to look at the Norwich goal he scored that kicked off uh, Edwards' tenure last season and kicked off the whole promotion push. The the technical quality, the the strike is unbelievable, but the technical quality for the first touch to be as unbelievable as it was, uh, it's yeah. If he, he's doing that all the time, I'd imagine that that's he, he's just got that quality. Yeah, he has. There's a reason why the club put him in all of these Premier League production videos. It's because he's damn good it just so happens that players in his position are damn good too and um, you know they've been a little bit more um, sort of effective Carlton Morris H obviously dropped uh, out of the side Elijah's gone into the side done absolutely brilliantly Elijah uh, so the one way that Carlton can get his way back into the um, team is by scoring goals and um, well we needed a goal more than ever on Friday night <laughs> and there he was the man went right place right time when we needed it as I said earlier good finish yes it was an open goal but he still had to concentrate and get the ball in the back of the net and um, he's given him a bit of a headache but more competition for places up there with you know you strikers when they're scoring they deserve to be in the team yeah certainly um, <clears throat> it was it was a shame to see him dropped out but I I totally get why he he was then dropped to the bench because he had dipped off a little bit. Maybe his confidence had dropped slightly from lack of goals. Um, but yeah, he obviously came on or started Friday, popped up with that header. Happy days. You know, that'll do his confidence the world a good. Um, and hopefully he'll be ready and raring to go Tuesday night. Yeah, that's, well, that's the thing. He's going to probably going to get another chance Tuesday night. We'll discuss all of that when we preview um, that game. But I was delighted for Morris. Amazingly, it's his first official goal from open play, isn't it? I suppose the other two were set pieces and penalties, weren't they? Sorry, other three set pieces and penalties. But as I said earlier, with all that hoo-ha that's going on with the goalkeeper and everything, it's so easy to take your eye off the ball and miss the header or put it wide or, you know, whatever. I mean, you see chances missed here. That I mean, you you look at Richarlison at our place, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's done exactly that, hasn't he? But Morris made sure the ball was in the back of the net and, um, yeah, we're all the better for it. Yeah, it's going to do him a world of good, isn't it? Because he hasn't scored since September, really. It's a hell of a long time to go without a goal for a player who, in a Luton shirt, has only ever known pro- quite being pro- quite prolific. Um, yeah, and I don't think, well, I know that you couldn't argue with the fact that Elijah was in because he was, uh, performing so well and um, he's he, he, I think he loves the place so much that 
he gets that and he understands it. I think they, I think they all do this whole thing about signing players that I'm going to have the ump most of the time. I'm sure there's a little bit of unease when you're not playing, but you've got, you've got a, as a fan, I'd be disappointed if a player's not pissed off when he's not playing. Yeah. And I don't want someone just sat there taking a wage. I want them to be pissed off, but I want them to a show in training why they deserve to play and B when they get their chance, because they're always going to get their chance. Even if it's only a few minutes here or there, when they get their chance, go and take it. And then you can go up to Rob Edwards and say, well, now you've got a decision to make, haven't you? Well, exactly. And, you know, even from Nathan Jones, who coined the phrase, but I think Edwards has taken it on to greater levels. The substitutes usually come on and do have a bit of an impact. I'd love for somebody to do a bit of an analysis on that. I don't think I've got the time, but there's plenty of accounts out there that could do it. I'm sure that the the, the amount of times that subs have come on and either um, say against Sheffield United, he didn't score the goals, but if Morris wasn't on the pitch to, the, to loot and win that game, probably not. Um, and then he comes on and gets the goal there. So two away games on the spin, he's had a massive impact on not only those games, but potentially looting season. And, he it's not the only one. The subs come in on all the time. It, you know, Chong against Liverpool, uh, another example, that sort of thing. So, um, it yeah, it it does. Whenever you look at the bench, or maybe if you looked at the bench from previous seasons, it was just sort of strong eleven, and, and I don't know, it wasn't that good. Even though he can coined that phrase, um, Nathan Jones. But this time, there's there's strength all over the place coming off the bench, and it's. It's really exciting to see because, you know, you get to 60 minutes and you need something and you feel you can get it. And the, the players do now. And I think it's just now sort of part of the DNA of the club because um, they're, they're up there in the top five for the amount of goals in the last 10 minutes because they just don't give up. Yep. It brings me nicely onto uh, my final point, H. 14 goals in the 75th minute or later this season. Uh, the club, when they tweeted after the game on Friday night, it came with a caption, never give up. And obviously the celebrations for the goals, that's ingrained in this team, isn't it? It never gives up no matter what the situation is. It never gives up whether you're 3-0 down to Chelsea, whether you're holding on to a win, whether you're fighting for a last minute winner, like James mentioned with that Corley Woodrow goal against Norwich last season. We never ever give up and those 14 goals and they'll be added to between now and the end of the season in the last 15 minutes they could mean so much when we look back on this in May yeah yeah they you know you only have to look at them you know years gone by you probably would have thought oh we go a goal down and we our heads did drop but over these last few years the mentality has changed we go we go we go we keep trying we never give up and never giving up. I was obviously proven that you can still score those goals. Keep your heads up, lads. You know, it's still possible just because you're a goal down. You should never give up. Never, ever. And uh, I'm pleased that we don't. I mean, you just have to look this season in particular at Knott's Forest, uh, 93rd minute goal or whenever it was that Elijah scored. 93rd minute goal the other night when Morris scored. That's two goals against relegation rivals who would have been too further. Well, Forest would have been two points further clear of us. Sorry, three points further clear of us. And um, Burnley would have been right up our asses, but for those goals. You just don't know what they what they mean. And um, I mean, it is written in this in this squad, isn't it? They just go, they keep on going right to the end. And, and when opposition fans are like, well, why the bloody hell are they getting a stand innovation? They've lost. Well, that's why they get a stand innovation, because until the 94th, 95th, 110th, 112th, <laughs> whenever the minute is, they keep on going and we respect them and we, we're grateful for that. And 
somewhere along the line, we will get what we want in those last 15 minutes that's going to keep us up this season. I'm absolutely certain of it. Well, we've got it, got it at Turf Moor, really. I mean, that it, it doesn't necessarily totally atone for it, but it makes up a little bit for the last minute, the last couple of goals against Liverpool and Arsenal, which took, you know, four points away. But I think there's a there's a really key psychological aspect of that as well because um, you know, and even to the point where match a day are telling people look, this is what Luton are all about. That will be in the minds of people now, and so like against Burnley, where they're desperate for a win at their home place. I know they tonked Sheffield United, um, and that was their only points at there, but they've had such a torrid time at at that ground where they were all conquering last season. It must be very hard to um, get your, get your head around really for, for, for Burnley fans. And yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying about them, but for a team like Luton to have that ability to keep going and keep going right to the end of the game, that will play on the Burnley players' minds. And that's why maybe they were sat in, sat a bit deeper there, but it'll play on everyone else's minds as well. That if you haven't got the job done, you're not just going to have a cigar on until the final whistle comes because it's Luton town. I'm not saying they were deep, but they had to reopen Bolton's ground to uh, <laughs> let their defence in. It was uh, They were that far back. You could tell they were a side who haven't won a home game of any sort of nervy nature for a long time. They just went further and further and further back. And that's the fi- that brings me on to the final point then for this podcast. We are now in a situation where we are getting an awful lot more of the football. But we've now got to work out... You know, we've worked out so well to how to play without the football and how to impact the game, whether it's by a counter-attack or whether it's by set pieces or, you know, pumping the ball in the box or anything else like that. We've now got to work out how to break these teams down. Never had to do it since we got into the championship. So we're going on five years now that we've not had to do this. But we've got the players to do it. They've got to move that ball quicker though, haven't they? It's got to go, it's got to go, it's got to go. So many times the ball went out wide, but then it stopped and then you've got all the defenders back in again and you've only got one striker. We've got Barkley, make runs, let him do his thing. That's the next, we spoke about evolution. That's the next way to evolve now, isn't it? To break these teams down with fast, penetrative movement and passing and become that side that Edwards wants us to be. But we've kind of probably going to be forced to do it slightly quicker than maybe he expected to. Yeah, but you know the evolution of every other aspect has happened, so you can bet that it will. It, it might take a bit of time, and I think there was an there was an incident against Chelsea where Ross Barkley beat a couple of players, burst towards the box. He was looking for somebody to make a movement, and there was nobody making that movement. So that, that's probably where that would work. But at the same time, I think they can still play the wits that I, like they do now, a bit quicker maybe. But doubt he's not afraid of whipping a ball in quickly without you know, maybe even having to look up or maybe thinking, I don't have to beat this defender. I can just get half a yard of space and whip it in. It's what David Beckham was famous for. I'm not saying he's David Beckham, but he's getting there and he's pretty good. Um, it's the other side, I guess. Some of the Chia probably has to learn because he can stick the afterburners on and then maybe his final ball isn't everything we want it to be at the moment. I mean, we love him, but it's great. So it, it'll improve, no doubt. I mean, that to be on the bench for a little while, maybe come back in, um, now the Gabor is out and that's the sort of formation that Luton play and the personnel and he, he can work that back into his game. But, um, you know, I don't, we we all suspected he wasn't quite right after he got that foot injury, but I asked uh, Edwards before 
the Burnley game, if he's okay, he's pretty much back up to full full pelt now. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can see where it would work, but they just have to get used to that idea now. I mean, you could tell that they were trying, H, because we had so much of the ball in that second half. But sometimes the best way is just, even even though we need to try and break it down, once we'd brought Carlton Morris on and we had Eli up front, I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, someone put the ball in the bloody box because that's ultimately where our strength is. And obviously we'd seen in the first half, the goalkeeper come flapping at all of this, but we kept on trying to pass our way through them and pass our way through them. And yes, I understand that that's how the, that's the approach that we want to take long term. But right now, when you've got Morris and Eli on the pitch, just get the ball in the box. And lo and behold, when Doughty put the ball in the box, we all know what happened. And it was like, why couldn't you have done that 15 minutes earlier? We could have had this so much easier. But the fact that we're playing this style that we are playing, but we're still able to, when we need to, try and progress into what we need to be to evolve. Because if we do stay up, we're going to have to evolve again. Because if we stay static, well, we'll, yeah. we'll drop back down again. So to the fact that they're confident and that they're good enough to do that in a Premier League game of that magnitude and importance. I mean, we should be so proud of of the way that this squad are going about it this season. We really should. We've improved so, so much. Um, you know, every time we play, you can see that progression that we've made since that very first game away at Brighton. Um, it's a it's a fast, it's a faster game. We know that. We know from some of our mistakes that we've made, possibly from not realising how quick things can happen in, in the Premier League. Um, but but we're learning. Every single game we're learning and improving. And I think you can't you can't knock what's what's going on on that pitch. You know, as you say, we we're never giving up. We're still trying. We just need a few more balls in the box. <laughs> yeah. In that situation in particular, it's just, you know, when you got fight when you finally got two target men in there, just ping it in. I mean, Alfie Doughty's left peg. I mean, geez, but this I think that was assist number six the other night. I don't know how he's only got six. Someone must lost count or Well, they're not getting on the end of it. There was the incident in the first half, wasn't there, where he um oh, put we a fa- had fantastic we had a moment. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> ball into the box. And then Elijah's not particularly read it. So that's one thing that Elijah has to get better at as well. And you know, no, no doubt he will because he's been improving. But um yeah, it's just sort of the anticipation of it. There's a couple of ones in recent home games where he's flashed it across the box and they haven't really been um, where where he'd want it, the ball to be. But they, they'll get it. They will. I think he did read that one in the first half, you know. He came inside, didn't he, to take the defender in. And then he came out, but the ball just had too much pace on it. I don't know. I mean, it'd been pissing down the rain. I don't know if it <laughs> fizzed off the ground or whatever, but he just couldn't get there. But yeah, no, so much to take from that. Uh, not least the point and a point that keeps us comfortably above Burnley. There was a, there was a funny moment in the crowd, actually, when um, Burnley fans started singing, how shit must you be? We're winning at home. So Luton fans <laughs> replied with, how shit must you be? We're still above you. And um, <laughs> I soon piped down uh, on that one. It's good football bants it was, and um, a really good away night actually. A bit cold, but you know, it's up north. Can't expect any different to that. Uh, and a really, really, really valuable point. I think the main thing that I took away from the game, though, James, is um, if Trafford's the future of England goalkeeping, we need to take Doughty and Barkley to the Euros because we've got to win it. Because we ain't winning bugger all after it if uh, if he's going to be the number one. So uh, you're still not coming to our games, Gareth. 
Where are you? You're missing out on two of your Euro 2024 squad members. And well, you're not missing out on Barkley because uh, everyone's telling you uh, more and more every day that um, Ross Barkley should be in Germany in the summer. And um, well, there's no hiding from that, really. No, I mean, well, they are trying to hide a little bit because they had the like 10 best moments of the month or something in Premier League and he wasn't any of them, which is unbelievable. But um, the one thing I took from the game um, is that, that there should be a watershed moment now where goalkeepers aren't uh, wrapped in cotton wool so much. And, and I mean, it won't happen because the PGMOL don't know their arse from their elbow, really. It was just a fluke that they got something right for once. But uh, if that is an ongoing thing now where this can happen, then uh, the, the obvious tactic is just Elijah stand, in, stand on the centres of it and then uh, Doughty whip out over his head to somebody that can jump while he's occupying the goalkeeper. But um, yeah, I think it would be an anomaly, really. Unfortunately, it should be the norm now, but such is life in this game we call football. Yeah, I'm not sure there's that many goalkeepers that will come flapping uh, for no reason, although Arsenal had one as well, didn't they, to be fair? So maybe they do exist in this league, that's for sure. Um, Great point. Maybe slightly soured the fact that Everton matched it on Sunday, but still got that game in hand. And as long as we're above them in May, that's all that counts. And that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks again for everyone who comes up to me or James or whoever we have on this podcast and uh, gives us our support it's for you that we do this podcast I'd like to I don't I don't do individual shout outs too often on here James because so many people come up to us but we were messaged on Facebook this week by John Bradshaw who listens to us in Australia good day mate Australia good day <laughs> indeed yeah thanks for your support John uh, I mean that's to know that we're going as far Getting everywhere, aren't we? to know we're going as far across the world as that is um, fantastic. And uh, if we can get the trust to agree to an all expenses paid trip out there, we'll <laughs> gladly have you on as a guest, John. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to do it, but you never know. We, you know, if we keep say, subscribing, you never know. Absolutely. Uh, but thanks for the support. That is really appreciated. And of course, to the people that came up on Friday night, I've mentioned before how my sister seems to think I'm some kind of celebrity with the people that come up to me and someone the person who sat in front of me um did exactly that during the var check and sarah thought she'd gone the whole night without it and um lo, lo and behold uh, there was another one so yeah we really appreciate all of your support as always my thanks to you for watching listening wherever it is that you've done that from to james and helen for keeping me company uh, for the last 45 minutes or so our thanks to the Hightown Club for staging this podcast as always, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music, and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set. Until next time, come on you atters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul.